From our New England Digital Broadcast Center in the United States at the Boston Institute, my name is Ambassador Professor David Ewan of Forest Academy. This is an extension of the State of the World Address intending to share career and employment opportunities in this upcoming decade of the 2020s. We thank contributing global resources in taking part in this shared presentation. The technology brings us into a new era of workforce development. New worlds are being explored, including augmented virtual reality, where collaboration amongst consumers, retailers, wholesalers, vendors, etc., will operate supply chains and develop a level of economies of scale with robust supply and demand cycles. Our office is exploring that feature with a church in the northeast of the United States called the Resurrection Center. In the famous coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic of the year 2020, many careers have been shattered and people's lives have changed. It's about a decade after the start of the Great Recession that started in 2008, which is still fresh in people's minds. We live in uncertain times, but only recently have started to learn to adapt to the changing environment we live in. As jobs are lost, new ones are created, but job seekers don't know where to look. The younger, innovative candidates seem to know where to look because they grew up in a changed world that the older generation is still trying to figure out. The United States serves as a great example to the world of the new type of working environments that offer candidates employment stability and viability. The technology and methodology serves as a model to other developed countries. The new buzzwords of tomorrow's technology involve AI and IoT. These two things are changing the world we live in, using robotics, or AI, such as artificial intelligence, and IoT, which is Internet of Things, and an increased presence of automation has occurred since the early manufacturing days of Ford Motor Company, beginning with the assembly line in the year 1914. The future of the job market and career development has been evolving, but the pandemic of the year 2020 has accelerated that motion. This is not the first time something like this has happened. Technology replacing jobs is not new. A common case study is from the year 1880. You see, there was a job called a lamplighter. A lamplighter is a person employed to light and maintain gas street lights. Before electricity and light bulbs illuminated our homes and cities, gas and oil were used to light up our lives. The invention of gas lighting by William Murdoch in 1792 started to light up cities in Britain and the streetlights were using gas. 
In the early 19th century, gas lamps were first installed in the dark, foggy streets of London and other cities mainly as a safety measure. Someone had to light these gas lamps at night, then extinguish them in the morning. The earliest public street lamps used fish oil and wicks. The first gas lamps were made from the barrels of old musket guns, and the lamp casings were coated in lime oxide, which glow white-hot in a gas flame. In London, lamp lighting was considered a prestigious job, passed down from father to son, though women sometimes did it too. The job was relatively safe. The worst hazard, perhaps, was gas buildup in the gas-powered lamps, which could blow a lighter off his ladder. Lamp lighters often made extra cash on the side by capturing rare bugs attracted to the light, then selling them to insect collectors. In some communities, lamp lighters served in a role as a town watchman. The introduction of gaslighting in America was on Pelham Street in Newport, Rhode Island in 1803. In 1879, the first incandescent light bulb was invented by Thomas Edison. And in 1880, the electric light was patented. The job of a lamplighter was extinguished, forcing this prestigious job to become obsolete. Workers transitioned into working in light bulb manufacturing or the electric company. So this is an example of where a workforce has changed. Move forward to present day, the workforce has become more mobile. You see, the iPhone was introduced in 2007. Uh, the Great Recession was in 2008. The iPad was released in 2010. Laptops replaced desktops for portability. The technology that drives mobile devices has improved a lot since those early days, and especially in the last 10 years. Mobile technology in the form of phones, tablets, and notebooks is making our lives much better than before. It does this in many ways not the least of which is making communications routine. Smartphones are equipped with GPS, accelerometers, compasses, cameras, light sensors, proximity sensors, NFC technology, gyroscope. We cannot live without them. It's said that about 95% of us are no more than two meters away from our cell phones. This means that we can answer calls, read messages, check mail, everything. One of the things that makes smartphones so vital to our daily lives is their efficiency. The speed with which you can do tasks on a smartphone is almost unparalleled. It allows you to get work done and communicate with people even while you're on the move. That wasn't possible decades ago. The pandemic, this coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic year of 2020 has pushed 
and employed office workers into the home or remote and connecting them with laptops, tablets, uh, mobile phones, uh, Slack, which is a collaborative resource, Outlook uh, for offices, Gmail for home offices, and web conferences like Google Meet, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, and BlueJeans. I have noticed that many people thought Zoom was new. Zoom was established in 2011, um, and Skype was even before that. Now, an office saves money with work-at-home remote staff. For one, you do not maintain an on-site IT infrastructure. There are less sick days paid as workers are able to be at home working even while they're a little under the weather. You reduce the need for leased office space. There's inclement weather that does not impact the workflow. Very often, uh, the travel time is replaced by work time, so employees are working longer at, during nights and weekends because it's convenient that, for them to do that while they're at home and still living a family life. Now, the entrepreneurial spirit is growing. We see over the past 10 years the growth of freelancers growing. There are sites like Upwork, FlexJobs, OneSpace, and more. There's also the crowdsourced scalable on-demand workforce, which provides human intelligent tasks. I'm going to give that category again. It's called a crowdsource scalable on-demand workforce. And these human intelligent tasks are tasks that can be done in a minute or five minutes or an hour. But it's not a job, it's, it's a task. Examples of these resources is from Amazon, there's MTurk or what they call Mechanical Turk. There's also the Universal Human Relevance System, UHRS. There's also ClickWorker that also uses UHRS. Those are just three examples. There are so many. But during the pandemic, what has really exploded in growth is the gig worker. The gig worker are workers who are, for example, they're a driver for Uber and Lyft. There's the restaurant delivery for Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, and others. In Russia, uh, Yandex Eats is part of Uber Eats or vice versa. There's the grocery delivery. There's the Instacart, Amazon Fresh, and apps from the grocery stores. There's also Amazon Flex, the package delivery where people can become their own delivery person and make money as a gig worker. These are examples of gig workers. So the new workforce, again, uh, is the three categories of number one, the freelancer, number two, the crowdsource scalable on-demand workforce, and number three, the gig worker. The way all three are similar is the worker is working for themselves. They are not employed at a company. Now let's talk about the growth of remote work. What has helped with the growth of remote work has been MTurk, which is the Mechanical Turk from Amazon, flex.amazon.com, that's Amazon Flex, that's the gig worker that Amazon provides. 
There's also Upwork.com. There's Remote.co. There's FlexJobs.com. There's also WeWorkRemotely.com. You can also do a search on Indeed. We've talked before about um, uh, Uber.com, where people can become drivers. There's just a lot of um, online resources that people have. Now, if jobs are not fully remote, such as the factory worker or the restaurant worker, it is likely to trend toward a hybrid model with a shared office space, allowing for cost savings in commercial real estate. This is more in the area of office workers. Sick leave would be reduced and absences from inclement weather would be less likely. Workers have found that a flexible job schedule improves the work-life balance strategy by reducing commute time and increasing personal time. Remote work is on the rise, and it's with good reason. From the statistics reported, it's clear that remote work is an excellent option for both employees and employers. Employees save time from commuting, get more work done, feel happier with their employment situation, and improve their work-life balance. Remote workers confirm this themselves with 76% claiming in a survey that they're more productive when working remotely because they're experiencing fewer distractions and 62% attributing their productivity to a less noisy work environment. A study by OWL Labs found that full-time remote workers reported being happy in their jobs 22% more than workers who are never remote. Remote workers reported having better work-life balance, focus, and less stress. With no commute, no lunch rush, and no long hours in the office away from family or friends, working remotely can improve the health and wellness of employees by reducing stress and limiting exposure to potentially sick co-workers. People who work from home have an easier time eating healthy and striking a manageable work-life balance. Eating healthier and having more time to spend with your family can help you feel less stressed, which will make for a happier and more productive workday. Working from home increases productivity. According to one study, remote employees work 1.4 more days per month than their office-based counterparts, resulting in more than three additional weeks of work per year. One of the most effective ways workers can stay productive is by taking breaks throughout the day. In an experiment by Nicholas Bloom, remote workers worked 9.5% longer and were 13% more productive. More productive employees can also equal increased sales for a company. After the corporate offices of Google and Twitter set new precedents by allowing the majority of their workforce to do work from home until at least 2021, starting uh, from the start of the pandemic in 2020. 
Facebook follows suit by extending its work-from-home policy until July of 2021 in response to the COVID-19 pandemic that started early in the year 2020. According to Global Workforce Analytics, employers can actually save over $11,000 per half-time telecommuter per year, which is a lot of money when you think about all the 3.7 million employees who currently work from home at least half the time. A special analysis done by FlexJobs and Global Workforce Analysis found that there has been a major upward trend in the amount of people working remotely in the U.S. In the span of one year from 2016 to 2017, remote work grew 7.9%. In 2015, 3.9 million U.S. workers were working remotely. Traditionally, one of the greatest assets in an organization is the tenure of workers in key positions. The more experience a worker has in a specific role, the closer they are to a peak point of domain knowledge and the ability to leverage that understanding of a company or product. This type of growth is still highly valued. But because technology and the way we do business is changing so rapidly, businesses can no longer rely primarily on workers with narrow skill sets. The capacity for continuous learning and developing new skills, even if they are not obviously linked to one's current job, is now more crucial to employability. Work has become increasingly collaborative, especially with the rise of integrated campaigns. Marketing, for example, has become incredibly complex with all the channels and customer expectations for their journey that the lines have blurred between the various teams within marketing. So while you may need to be an expert in social media or email marketing, if those aren't your specific roles, you still need to have a stronger degree of understanding into how it all works and comes together. We're already seeing this purely from a spend perspective, according to statistics on training expenditures. Companies spent, on average, 84 billion U.S. dollars on training from 2016 to 2018, and that is up 16 billion U.S. dollars from the prior three-year average. Organizations are now supplementing their acquisition of talent from the labor market by putting investment back into the organization to develop workers' skills across the organization and across different expertise. In fact, according to a Gartner survey, the biggest barriers for workers in achieving objectives in their roles was the lack of skills and the education to acquire those skills. As the Society for Human Resource Management noted, the workforce is now comprised of five generations in the year 2020. There's the traditionalists, the baby boomers, Generation X, 
millennials and Generation Z, making for the most heterogeneous workforce age-wise at any point in history. Understanding the differences in how these groups engage and what they expect in compensation and career pathing requires very thoughtful planning and an open mindset. Based on sheer numbers alone, millennials are currently exerting the most influence on how organizations acquire and retain talent. According to Pew Research, Millennials are now the largest generation in the workforce and will account for half uh, will account for half of the worker population in the United States in the year 2020. This group holds a very different set of values in the workplace than in previous generations. A recent survey showed that while compensation is the most important factor in worker happiness, meaningful work and flexibility were ranked second and third respectively. There is little doubt that the trend of employees working in non-centralized locations is on the uptick. A recent study by Upwork.com found that 63% of the companies now have remote workers in one way or another. Another study revealed that 70% of people globally work away from the office at least once every week. Because of the role it plays in better work-life balance, offering flexibility and the option to work remotely will weigh heavily in attracting and retaining talent and will force organizations to develop more formal work-from-home policies. Despite its benefits, however, remote work is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. Organizations will need to take stock of business needs at the company, department, and individual level and develop a work remote strategy. This incorporates processes as much as it does technology. This is often the difference between success and failure of remote work. About a decade ago, the average knowledge worker would start their workday by opening their email client in a word processor or spreadsheet. As digital work increased and teams expanded, the severe limitations of these tools as facilitators for collaboration ushered the rise of a host of solutions aimed at centralizing work and conversations around the world into a single system record. Many of you have heard of Bitrix24. Others have heard of Slack.com as collaborative resources. Some people even use messengers, uh, creating groups in WhatsApp. Um, there's just so many collaborative resources, and those are just a few examples. There's also the web conferencing like Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, BlueJeans, Zoom, uh, WebEx by Cisco, and so many others. Today, as more organizations are realizing efficiency gains of software as a service-based technology, workers are gravitating to instant messaging tools, as I mentioned before, Slack, or collaborative work management platforms like Google Drive or, or uh, the messaging platforms like Google Meet, 
um, Microsoft Teams, BlueJeans, um, WebEx by Cisco, and Zoom, and so many others. Proficiency in technologies like these will become a core competency for all knowledge workers over the next few years, so be ready for that. The pace of technological change is disrupting entire industries, so it requires a lot of education and retraining. It will be fascinating to watch how this change continues to unfold and manifest itself in workplace profiles. This will be a required office skill set. It will be more complex than decades ago. The employer will ask, do you know how to type? Or after that time period, do you might know Microsoft Office? The amount that is required for an office space in the cloud is so much more than what we're used to, and it's going to grow even more now. There's going to be the digital divide, those who get it and those that don't, and that is the unfortunate thing. So be on the path to understand this new office environment in the cloud. It's now imperative for organizations to develop a workplace strategy that accounts for trends, and this is what I'm talking about, that will greatly affect their ability to compete for talent and in their categories. That's what the companies have to do. But then there's also the worker. They need to have the skill and the talent to work in this environment as well. This means first gaining a fundamental understanding of how workers are currently perceiving their workplace through employee surveys and then analyzing how adaptability to the, to, to the trends that we're talking about uh, can be handled. Okay, and uh, this may be enabling or hindering productivity in achieving company objectives. We have to be ready because as the competition gets even more fierce, and it's been growing since the assembly line production days of 1914, the skills and the requirements of using technology-based office environments is growing rapidly. So that is a skill set that must be studied. I thank you for joining me on our extension of the State of the World Address to predict our future workforce economy. From our New England Digital Broadcast Center in the United States at the Boston Institute, my name is Ambassador Professor David Ewan of Forest Academy. I thank you for joining me.